Matthew chapter number 27. But as always, it is our priority to mind the Lord. Amen. Matthew chapter 27, would you stand and honor the reading of God's word if you're able to do so? We'll read verses 24 through 35. Matthew chapter 27, verse number 24. When Pilate saw that he could not, that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. It's amazing how much people would do and then try to get out of the responsibility for their own actions. Amen. Verse 27, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. Remember that phrase, scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head, and they reed in his hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross and when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, that gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments and cast lots that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet they parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. A reference to Psalm chapter 22 and verse 18. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots. With God's help, I want to preach a message entitled, Let's Make a Deal. Thank you, and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Imagine what level of blindness these soldiers lived under to participate in the crucifixion of the very Lamb of God and to make a mockery of Him and to even cut His garment into pieces to make merchandise of it. To play games at the foot of the cross as if it is a light matter, an average and ordinary other day in the life of those who persecute those who are guilty of 
crimes, not knowing that he who was guiltless was paying the sin debt for their very sin and their very shame. In ignorance and in blindness, they sat there and they made a mockery of him. And uh, they squabbled over his stuff. Amen. They, they were sitting there. Uh, some might compare it to a poker game, if you will. Gambling over stuff when they should have been looking deeper at who it was that they had put on the cross. And I got to thinking about this. And, and I got to thinking about how many today still part his garments. The Bible said... They cast lots for garments, uh, for his garments. But I want to say this about that. They cast lots for the garments of God when they could have had the God of the garment. I want you to think about that for just a minute. You've heard, uh, you know, I'm using the phrase, let's make a deal this morning. Many of you, when I said that phrase, you probably thought about that TV show, let's make a deal. And, uh, and, 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 so, and maybe when you got to thinking about game shows, maybe you thought about the prices right. I don't know. But I can tell you this this morning, they got the price wrong here. Amen. Whenever they got to worrying about how much value they could get out of a piece of garment that came off of this popular, uh, what some called a prophet in his day, uh, they thought maybe this was uh, an opportunity for them to get gain. And, and so they were, they were way beneath what was actually going on. They were thinking on basement level concerning someone who came from the heavens to pay for their sins. And I got to thinking about sometimes how that people take church very nonchalantly. They, they take this thing called salvation uh, just, uh, just, just very lightly. And, and, and they, they make much of little and they make little of much. Can I get an amen this morning? And it seems like sometimes we major on the minor and sometimes we minor on the major. And it's as if the devil has tempted us and lured us and enticed us and convinced us into gambling at the foot of the cross while there's much more at stake and there are bigger things to worry about than a piece of garment that come off of somebody's physical body. Amen. Uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, sometimes uh, we can make mountains out of mold hills amen and sometimes we die on hills that ain't worth dying on amen uh, uh, there are many a church today uh, that's drying up on the vine and they're dying because somebody in charge wants to have it their way instead of God's way and and they are uh, they're making a deal they are deciding what is worth value to them and what is not and they're valuing their opinions and their preferences and their way of doing things over the way God God intended it to go uh, and they are as it were casting lots upon the very garments of Christ let me tell you something honey the church of Jesus Christ was bought and paid for and therefore owned by Jesus Christ and no one else. Amen. And God forbid that any one of us take over the church and this demand to do things the way men want to do them and trade the power of God for what little crumbs men can muster together. 
And we, are, we have churches today, the Bible said, uh, that one day that they will have a form of godliness, uh, but they will deny the very power thereof. That is, they'll sit and exist and they'll hear the Scripture, uh, but they will deny God any access to really let the power of the Word affect and change their very lives. Uh, they won't just crumbs. Uh, they won't just fragments of this religious garment, uh, but they don't really want God to get in their woods. Uh, they don't want God to plow down their road. They don't want God to interrupt their life and change the trajectory of their focus. They just want a little dab of religion that will give them permission to live any way they want to and make themselves feel better about where they're at. And they don't realize it, but they're gambling at the foot of the cross and playing games that will leave them destitute and desperate before a holy God. And it will not help you come judgment day. If I were you, I would junk my religion. If I were you, I'd junk my personal preferences and my ideas of what's right and what's wrong and I would take up the Lord Jesus Christ. I would take up the word of God and I would quit gambling with his garments and I would start gazing upon the Lord whom they crucified and I would begin to accept him and all of his treasure and in all of his value. But many today have forfeited the opportunity to really benefit from what it was that Jesus actually came to do for them. Amen. Amen. So that's my first point. They cast lots for the garments uh, rather than seeking out the God that was in the garments. Somebody say amen right there. Number two, I want you to know this. Many want religious trinkets, uh, but they pass on a relationship that transforms their lives. Amen. They really don't want God to, uh, to, to save them too good. Amen. Uh, they want just enough to say that I'm a member of so-and-so church and they, they flash it like a, a membership card. Whenever needed, you'll flash that card. Oh, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian when it's convenient for you and only when it's convenient. God, give us some Christians uh, that are Christians whenever it's good for you and whenever it brings you persecution. Amen. Uh, oh, God don't need no closet Christians. Amen. Uh, God ain't after no part-time help. Uh, either you're all in or you're all out, but quit pretending and quit playing games with God and acting like God's going to smile on you on judgment day when you've rejected everything. You've been nitpicky with his word. That is, you have fragmented the word of God and, and you have parted his garments and taken the pieces that you are betting on and leaving the other pieces that you don't want with somebody else. You know how those people are. They'll take certain scripture and, and they'll like to stand on that one verse, judge not lest you be judged. And that's the fragment of his garment that they stand on. But let me remind you that every one of us shall bow both knees to the Lord Jesus Christ and you better take the whole counsel of God. You either get all of them or you won't have any of them. Can I get an amen? Oh, I see here people trying to make a deal with God. I think there was a country song written that was something like, Me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. You and Jesus don't have nothing going. If either you bow to him or you don't, uh, uh, Jesus ain't going to have no part with you. Amen. Uh, Jesus don't cut deals with people and give partial gospel and partial truth and say, okay, I I'll let you have that part of your life. Just let me have this other. Jesus didn't move into your house to possess a closet. He came to take over the household. Somebody say amen this morning. Mm. Many won't religious trinkets second chronicles i think it is chapter 36 and verse 18 references a time when all the vessels of the house of god in the old testament 
both great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. They, they weren't interested in the God that dwelt in the tabernacle, but they sure wanted all the gold. Yeah, they wanted the political advantage and the, they wanted the financial prowess uh, of what those symbols represented from a financial standpoint. Amen. And I want you to notice that when you value the wrong things, you lose the most important things. Amen. Uh, are you taking vessels or are you being a vessel of the Holy Spirit of God? Many come to church and they just pick and choose uh, if and when they'll get involved and, and they're not really looking to get in they're looking to to to, to get out really uh, uh, just participate as little as possible amen and they don't realize that they're playing games at the foot of the cross and they're trying to make a deal with God that God will not accept number three many are satisfied with stuff for the flesh while the soul is suffocating to death that's right. Notice that in Luke chapter 12 and verse number 15, Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And so as they parted his garment, they cut it into fragments. We've talked about this a little bit. They took the fragments that would make the most money for themselves and left the rest alone. Many today fragment the gospel for gain only. And, and I want to say this, uh, there are too many so-called preachers today in our world, Jesus said there'll be false prophets uh, to rise up among us. Uh, but the Bible says inwardly they are ravening wolves. Uh, they are wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, they know how to speak a polished sermon. Uh, they know how to make you feel real good on Sunday morning. And the Bible says even in the last days that many will heap to themselves those kinds of teachers having itching ears they they're looking for that kind of speaker and there are many that are willing uh, to accommodate their lust uh, for well-spoken and well-polished sermons amen uh, and do you realize that uh, with my talent of delivery if I so chose to uh, if God would let me and he won't but I could have a much bigger gathering than I have right now if I chose uh, to slight my words a little bit and if I chose to pump you up instead of saying thus saith uh, the word of the Lord are you hearing what I'm saying uh, we could build a much greater congregation but we would not necessarily be building a church amen uh, it would be more like a social club amen uh, and let me tell you something the church of the living God is to take orders from headquarters uh, and our commander in chief is the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and the, uh, this very second a church or a pro so called prophet or so called pastor begins to to make a deal, amen, uh, with the devil to see how much money he can make with this thing called church uh, and this thing called religion, amen. As soon as they begin to do all of that, uh, they need to strip the name church from off their sign uh, and call it what it is. It's a moose lodge or it's something else, but it's not the church of the living God. Uh, when you reject to let the head of the church take full charge and God uh, help the preacher that one day is going to give an account uh, for leading many astray 
say, uh, and they're not really in it uh, to profit you. They're in it to profit themselves. Uh, but they speak with such eloquent words that they'll convince you uh, that they're the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, but God give us some spiritual discernment today uh, to help begin to identify when we're hearing it right and when we're hearing it wrong. Amen. Uh, and you don't need to just congratulate every eloquent speaker that comes through and, uh, and looks like they got it all together because guess what? Uh, it could be a ravening wolf. It could be somebody just profiteering, being opportunistic uh, with the masses. And God send us some people uh, that are not in the pulpit for a paycheck and for a parsonage, uh, but will be willing to part ways with their financial package uh, if it means standing for truth and if it means declaring the word of God. Uh, I'm not for sale and never shall be because I know who bought me uh, and I know who owns me. Amen. Uh, and the church ought to feel the same way. Uh, and the, one of the reasons we have so many false prophets in our churches today is because many uh, churches are spiritually ignorant as to what's going on. If they would study their Bible. I used to work in a bank as a tailor, believe it or not. Yeah. And what we learned how to do we learned to identify counterfeits not by studying counterfeits, but by studying the real document. What makes a bill authentic? You study the authentic components of a dollar bill or a Benjamin or whichever it is, and you will more easily identify the fraud. And here's why, because the frauds can take any number of variations. But when you know the real deal, it's a lot easier to spot a fake. You know why so many are washed about with every wind of doctrine? You know why a lot of people don't want this kind of red-hot preaching today? Because they're not familiar with the book. Yeah. Oh, they say they're a Christian, but they can quote about two and a half verses. They don't even quote them right. Hello. Yeah. They don't even quote them in context. Eat this book. Amen. Get this book in you and don't take my words for it. You read this book for yourself and you let the good Holy Ghost lead and guide you. And what will happen is if you hear something fraudulent, you'll be able to immediately identify as a fake and a fraud and you won't be deceived by those who are profiteering off of people who are naive and ignorant of the Word of God. That's why it's important for you to read your Bible. So that you can't be washed about with every wind of doctrine. God help the churches today that just embrace wholeheartedly those who are doing nothing but draining their pocketbooks dry. And, and, and you know, I know this world gives evangelicals a hard time because of the fakes that have done just that. But you can't much blame them, can you? You can't much blame them. You know what we need to do? We need to determine that we're going to be genuine and authentic. And either we're going to do it by the book or we're not going to do it at all. Amen. But we're not going to play games with Calvary. We're not going to try to make a deal with God that's different than the deal he's proposing. Amen. And we need the kind of people that will accept the offer that God has on the table. And I'm fixing to get to that in just a minute. But let me say this. It's amazing how little that we'll settle for when we don't see all of who Jesus is. Don't you know that if those soldiers had really come to terms with who it was hanging on the cross, 
that they would be much more sober-minded. Don't you know that if the Holy Spirit had revealed it to them, what was going on, that they would have distanced themselves from any idea or notion of making mockery or taking advantage of the situation. You know what the problem was? They didn't see Jesus for all of who he was. And so they settled for fragments of his garments. They made a deal that left them destitute and desperate and spiritually dry and hungry. Matthew 27 and verse 36 says, And sitting down, they watched him there. And here's what I want you to take away from that. They watched him, but they were too blind to see him. Is that not the condition of many today who come to church possibly week after week? And they watch, but they can't see a thing. They, the devil has convinced them that their religion is going to get them to heaven. The devil's convinced them they're saved when they don't have any fruit of repentance in their life. The devil's convinced them that they're saved because they've been a member of the church for X amount of years and, and they haven't hardly missed any Sunday school, if any at all, and, and they've measured up their good works against the, uh, their bad and they've convinced themselves that maybe they'll make it in and maybe God will be all right. And after all, I, I, I wasn't only raised in church preacher. I went to church for nine months while I was in my mama's belly. I don't care how long you've been to church. If you ain't been saved by the grace of God, you're going to go to hell without Jesus. Somebody say amen this morning. It's not church membership. It's not church attendance. It's not do's and don'ts. It's not how much you have done. Listen, if you measure everything that you've done good in life and stack it up for God to observe, God would conclude that your very goodness is nothing but filthy rags in His sight. That which you value so much that you'll stake the eternal destiny of your soul upon is something that God values way differently than you. God sees all men, women, boys, and girls without Christ hopeless and helpless and not even measuring up to any ounce of goodness because of the sin curse that's in us and on us that exudes from us without Christ. And many have struck a deal with the devil. They've struck a deal with themselves. They've struck a deal with the church or they've struck a deal with religion or struck a deal with some false prophet or, or false preacher, uh, uh, amen, or something of, of that nature. And, and they're selling themselves way short and they're going to stand before God. And Jesus said, in that day, many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them... I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. But wait a minute. They just told him all the good they did. That's exactly right. And the very good things they were boasting of were the works of iniquity that he called them out for. What they thought was good did not amount to anything but wickedness because it wasn't covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says there is none good, no, not one. Amen. And you can't be good enough. That's the reason Jesus died on an old rugged cross so he could pay your sin debt for you. Amen. I'm glad that I don't have to count on Gary Caudle to get Gary Caudle to heaven. Amen. The day I got saved by the grace 
grace of God. I confess my sin. I, I received forgiveness and the Lord moved into my heart. He washed me in His blood and He made me as righteous as Jesus Christ Himself because the blood had been applied to my life. And that's what you need, my friend. You don't need another deal with the devil or a deal with yourself. You need a relationship with God Almighty bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Bible said you must be born again. Can somebody say amen this morning? You must be born again. There is no other way. You say that's awful narrow. Narrow as it is, it's right as rain. Yeah. By the way, that, that uh, little label don't bother me. Jesus says straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. Yeah, you better believe it's narrow. Jesus said so himself. Few there be that find it. You know why there's so few? Because they're, though they're looking at him, they're blind to seeing who he really is. Some people can come to church their whole life and still be completely clueless about what it's really all about. That's why I pray every week, Brother Ron, that as we come to church and hear the preaching of the gospel, that the Holy Spirit will do for others what He did for me on September the 9th of 1990. And that is open their spiritually blinded eyes to the reality of where they stand with God and what they need to do to get it right. It's called conviction. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin and convinces you that you're a sinner. And that's one of the problems that many have today is they've never been convinced of the fact that they're lost and undone without God. They have convinced themselves that they're good enough. They've convinced themselves that they're saved and on their way to heaven. But you have no peace in your heart. You're miserable all the time. And you keep failing miserably because you don't have the aid of the Holy Spirit in your life to strengthen you to do right. And you wonder, why ain't you no better? And you keep going to church. You keep trying to patch it up. And you keep trying to do this. And you keep trying to do that. And you're looking for, through all the fragments uh, uh, of the Word of God. And you're trying to give yourself peace. And Jesus said search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life amen and he was preaching to that religious bunch that thought they had it all made they thought they were good they thought they were fit for heaven and Jesus said if you'll pay attention those scriptures are preaching about the very person me that you are currently rejecting and you can be in church and have a comfortable air conditioned ride all the way to the gates of hell Let's make a deal. What can you offer God that will impress Him? When you're so blind, you don't even see what's actually happening. Can I park right here a minute? I, I prayed that before I come, I said, Lord, put a, a holy hush over the congregation that somebody that needs the Lord might Call on him. Let me ask you this. What will you get out of Jesus? What is your takeaway this morning? Oh, I believe in Jesus, preacher. The devils also believed and trembled. I believe in God. The devil also believes in God. You ain't no better than a devil without Jesus, without the blood. That doesn't impress God that you acknowledge His existence. 
He's looking for repentance. You know what repentance is? It's not a changing of the habit, but it is a changing of the heart. It's turning in your heart from yourself and your sin to Jesus Christ as the only remedy for your soul. And admitting I have sinned, I need to be forgiven, and if you'll help me, I will live for you. And the moment you turn in your heart to Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin is the instant. If you believe in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is the instant at which he saved your soul, and you become a child of God. You become born again. Not a church member, but a, fam a member of the family of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's a vast difference between the two. I believe Billy Graham was quoted one time as saying and believing that he believed as much as eight, possibly 80% of those that are attending church could be lost and headed for hell. And I didn't come to try to convince anybody that they're lost. I just come to tell you the truth that there are many who are lost and think they're saved because they've made a deal at the right place, but with the wrong motive. You need to be at the foot of the cross, but what are you doing there? Are you there to get gain for yourself? Or are you there to embrace Jesus for all he is? See, to embrace Jesus is to admit that you need him. And many today in the world refuse the gospel because they say all oh, them Christians, they, need a, uh, they, they just need a crutch. That's exactly right. I need something to get me to heaven besides myself. Amen. And so do you, sir. So do you, ma'am. Do not rise up in the pride of your heart and presume that you don't need God because the longer you go, the more desperately you realize just how much you need Him. You may not admit it today. You may not admit it next week, but one day, sooner or later, mark my words, honey, you regret the day that you try to make a deal with God that God would not accept. Let's make a deal. What will you do with Jesus? We referenced Psalm chapter 22 because the passage that we read this morning was a prophetic fulfillment of Psalm chapter 22. And in Psalm chapter 22, there was another verse where the Holy Spirit, uh, through the instrument of David, penned these words prophesying of Jesus hanging on the cross where Jesus was pinned prophetically as saying, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. And that word worm is an interesting word in the Hebrew language. Uh, I may not pronounce it correct, but I'm going to try. I'm going to pronounce it the way it looks like. And some of you Bible scholars will come to me afterward and tell me how I pronounce it wrong, and that's okay. Uh, but I'm going to pronounce it a tola, or tolath. And uh, this, is, uh, this, this word bears the scientific name, and I don't expect you to remember this either, uh, caucus illicus, maybe. <laughs> Here's the meaning, crimson worm, crimson worm. 
This is actually a worm that exists in the Middle East and existed in Israel and still does today. When the time has arrived for this female worm, known as the crimson worm, to bear her young, listen to what happens. She attaches herself to a tree or a branch. Mm. Jesus said, I am a worm. And then she attaches herself so strongly that she is unable to detach herself. While doing so, she makes a hard shield to protect the little eggs that she lays under herself. And when the larvae hatch, they live protected under her body and feed themselves with their living mother. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And we're going to partake of that in a few moments. When this little young worm, uh, these little young worms are able to look after themselves after a few days, the mother dies and a scarlet red liquid seat, uh, leaks out at that moment, which colors not only the wood to which they are attached, but the little young worms as well for the rest of their lives. And then three days after the death of the mother, are you listening? Her body loses its scarlet red color and changes into a kind of white wax which falls to the ground like snow. And Jesus said, the word said rather in the book of Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, Come now. And let us reason together, saith the Lord. Can I say it this way? Let's make a deal. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Aren't you glad today to know that God is proposing a deal that if you'll accept it, it'll wash your sins away. And he which is red like crimson shall be made as white as snow in the eyes of God. Those who are worms, those who are wretches, those who admit that they're miserable, wretched, poor, blind, and naked without God will be washed and made white as snow in the eyes of God. And there on Calvary, we are protected beneath the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, which gave Himself for whosoever that would call upon His name. Amen. And I'm glad to tell you that you cannot by this offering. Let me read you a verse out of now. Isaiah 55 and verse 1. It says, Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and drink without money and without price. God is looking for an exchange. God is looking for a transaction to take place. But he's saying, leave your money at the house because your money ain't going to help you. What is the currency of heaven? The currency of heaven is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The moment you place your faith in the completed work at Calvary who died on a cross for your sin is the moment heaven places the transaction for your soul and all of a sudden you're bought and you're paid for with no money because you cannot buy what 
what God gave because you can't give what God gave. Amen. And so he said, since they can't afford such a great salvation, I'll have to offer it free of charge. And the only thing I ask is faith in my darling son, Jesus Christ. And I don't care what they call me today. You can call me old fashioned. You can call me whatever you want to call me. But there's still only one way to heaven and his name is Jesus Christ and I do not apologize for that and if you don't know Jesus is your savior I don't care if you're a Catholic I don't care if you're a priest I don't care if you're a Buddhist I don't care who you are what you claim if you have not put your faith in Jesus uh, let me say it this way to make myself real clear if Mother Teresa did not put her faith in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of her sins uh, then she is in hell today I don't I'm not saying she is but if I'm just simply saying it doesn't matter who you are what you've done what you believe if you don't put your faith in Jesus there's no hope for you did mother Teresa get saved I have no idea I hope she did but it is conceivable that anybody could live a morally decent life outside of the aid of the Holy Spirit so far as the public can see and still lose their soul so as you stand to your feet, I want to ask you a question. What kind of deal are you trying to push through today? One that you're proposing to God or one that he is proposing to you? Are you gambling with the fragments of religion, picking and choosing what you'll keep and what you'll trade and what you'll give and what you'll take and what you'll get gain off of and what is insignificant to you? Or will you behold Jesus in all of his splendor and all of his glory and admit the wretch that you are without him and surrender totally to the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life? Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment as she begins to play a tune of invitation on the piano. I want to ask you a question. Nobody looking around. This is the most important part of the service how you respond to the invitation of the gospel. Now, no, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. But let me tell you something. You want to. If you don't, you should. And I want to invite you to accept Christ as your Savior this morning. You say, but preacher... I think I may be lost, but I'm afraid to admit it because everybody's been thinking I'm saved for a long time. And that'll be a huge embarrassment to me and everybody else. That's the biggest lie the devil could ever tell you right now. You know what we'll do? We'll rejoice and we'll shout the victory with you. We will welcome you. We will celebrate. It's not, it's not uncommon. I've seen God up and save pastors in meetings like this. Because they had a form of godliness, but they didn't trust Jesus. And what, many of you that have a problem with religion today, you have a problem with religion because of those hypocrites. But God's trying to say, look, you worry about me, not them. Will you come? If you're here today, nobody looking around, and you say, preacher, I need Jesus. Will you pray for me? Just be honest. Slip up your hand right now. I'll, I'll pray for you. I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you. And some of you have already raised your hand in the past. I'm praying for you. Thank you so much. 
been praying for you. I, honest to God, I have. And I thank God. Thank you for those hands. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, those that kindly, politely, and boldly slipped up their hand and admitted that they need you, would you so delicately and gracefully give them the courage that they need right now to give their heart and life to Jesus Christ take over I pray don't let the devil talk them out of it no one looking around if you're willing to step forward and give your life to Christ I want to invite you to come up right now we'll take a few moments with nobody looking this church I just want you to pray I'll take my Bible and I can show you how you can know for sure that when you leave this place you're headed for heaven I want to invite you to come would you come just as that's not the wrong song, right song is it I'm sorry I'm filled with blood drawn from would you come right now let's make a deal though your sins be as scarlet they can be made white as snow would you accept God's offer today? It don't have to wait. It'll be the best thing that you've ever done in your entire life. I promise you won't regret it. That nervousness, that fear, that's just in a, a fight. The devil's fighting for your soul, and I'm praying for you. Church, pray. And I'm not going to embarrass you, but I would ask you to be willing to come give your heart and life to Jesus. I'll say this, you can call on him right there in your seat. If walking to the, in front of a crowd makes you nervous, you can settle things with God right there where you're standing or right there where you're sitting. You say, what do I do? What must I do to be saved, preacher? Well, the Bible says plainly and simply, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved that if thou shalt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved do you believe in the gospel do you believe in the death, burial and resurrection of Christ do you accept the fact that you're a sinner in need of a savior are you willing to admit that to God right now then pray something like this Father I call on you right now in the quietness of my heart and I ask you to forgive me of my sins I admit that I need you. I want to serve you. I want to be redeemed by your blood. I want to accept all of you for who you are and not just the parts that make me comfortable. Lord, if you'll save me, I'll serve you. Lord, I believe you're going to save me because I'm calling on you right now. And the Bible says that if I'll trust you, you'll save me. Lord, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, make me one of yours, and help me to serve you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Now, nobody looking around. If you just utter those words and you sincerely come from the depths of your soul to God Almighty, and you just trusted Jesus as your Savior, and you gave all you know of you to all you know of Jesus in this moment, would you signify that by lifting your hand? Thank you for that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you for that hand. 
praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to have the Lord's Supper. And now that you're a born-again believer, you're invited to participate. And after church, I'd love for you to come and talk to me about what God just did in your heart. And I'll help you begin your new journey with God. Church, can we welcome those who are honest into the family of God? Give them a round of applause this morning. Amen. My sole aim, goal, and prerogative is to preach the gospel as simply and plainly as it is and to not complicate salvation. And the Bible said that the kingdom of God is made up of such as children. Amen. Children. Simple childlike faith. We complicate it. Aren't you glad for a Savior that will reach down to where you're at? Now, here's the thing. The Bible says you'll not be ashamed of them. So at some point, God's going to touch your heart, if this is real, to share what God did in your heart with somebody else. Amen, church.